0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 149 of the Mom Hour. I'm Sarah Powers here, as always, with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan.
1: Hey, Sarah. Got my raspy voice on today. So, we both had bad colds last week. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Like we lived- I know, like from across the country, we got sick. It's like our sicknesses are our time together. I know. And so, cycling
0: together. <laughs> we couldn't record, although you had a busy week anyway. You were performing, and that's all wrapped up, right? Yep. Yeah,
1: I was in um, on the production of Hairspray which was awesome and fun. And I'm so glad it's over because <laughs> I want yes. my I want my my nights back. So Yes.
0: Well, yeah. we're, we're back on track. We're mostly over our cold. And today we're taking listener questions, which is one of our favorite things to do. I mean, we're three years into this, you guys, and you keep sending us great questions. We love hearing from you. It kind of helps us, you don't know, tune into some of the things we might have forgotten about early motherhood yeah. and just normalizes all those things that everyone is feeling. That's actually yeah. my favorite part.
1: I love it. And I also, it also gives us a chance to like cycle back to topics we've covered in the past, but yes. maybe hasn't, it's been a while. And it's, it's always nice to know like what people are thinking about and struggling with. So.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So we have three listener questions today. Um, and just as a reminder, if you want to send us a question, you can record your voice using SpeakPipe or just your phone and send it to hello at com. We really try to get to most questions in some way. Sometimes we get a lot of similar ones and combine them into one. Um, but we almost never really just ignore a listener question. They're all good. Yeah, they're all good. Yeah, they're great.
1: Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious.
0: Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of factor meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go.
1: Yeah, and for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle. Whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle.
0: Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour50 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active.
1: That's from our ourplace.com code momour.
0: All right. Okay, so we're going to take our first listener question and it comes from Madison and we will play it now.
2: Hi Megan and Sarah, my name is Madison. I'm a stay-at-home mom to two boys, two ages 2 and 2 months, and I have a question about playgroups and toddlers. Um, first of all, I'm wondering how to start one, how to go about that? how to find moms and kids that i will get along with and that my son will get along with and then once we start it how to deal with things like hitting, pushing, sharing toys all those fun things that go along with toddlers and learning to make friends um i think my older son could really benefit from something like this but i'm also a little nervous about how it will all play out. So any advice or ideas you have would be very, very appreciated. Um, So I hope to hear from you guys. Thank you and keep up the good work.
0: Okay. Um, I love this question because I actually had a really good experience forming a playgroup when my babies were little, but I know that doesn't happen For everyone and Megan I know you can speak from your experiences because you Mm -hmm. had a few different you've talked about how you've kind of moved and had like different new motherhood experiences with Mm -hmm. your different sets of kids um so I guess Madison's first question is how to sort of find and start a play group um I guess to be real brief I would look for look for the type of moms that you like as opposed to worrying about what type of activities your two-year-olds son might enjoy. because yes, I know we're always get about in- the mom.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> about you. Point.
0: We're going to get into the second part of Madison's question, which is a good one, which is kind of how to handle those awkward times when like your kid pushes another kid down or vice versa. Right. But but I guess my point is, if you are surrounded by moms that you really like and everyone is kind of on the same page in the parenting sphere and just supportive of each other, then when those things happen and they will it just won't feel as awkward and dire because you are really comfortable with the moms. Does that make sense? So I would, yeah, I would start with the moms. Um, I know like mothers of preschoolers, which is mops. I know a lot of people have success, um, like going to those programs and then maybe developing a spinoff group of your own. I, um, I never did mops, but I, I know what's good about it is you can keep going when you have multiple kids and your kids get a little bit older and there's some childcare involved. Um, in that. So I think that's a really good one. I met the moms in my play group through like a brand new mom group. And I know Madison, you're not a brand new mom anymore. Um, But it just took one of us saying like, Hey, do you guys want to get together once a week outside of this class, which was really good because the class was fine, but it was really more about, we wanted to just talk and talk and talk. Um, And that's how it came together. And then we all had second babies and third babies and Um, I think it just took one or two of us saying like, yeah, I want to make time for this in my week. And we had a day of the week. Um, but it was just us. It wasn't any formal organization. Um, but it was really, really meaningful.
1: Yeah. Um, that's all great advice. I know for things that probably changed since I was along these lines as far as how in my day, I remember there being email, um, and uh, like email lists Mm -hmm. and meetups. And I'm sure now people are like meetup.com meetups. Um, I think people now use Facebook for that kind of thing, always. Go where the moms are. They're at the pediatrician's office. They're at, yep. you know, mom and baby yoga or just yoga. They're like, you kind of can start to figure out where your people are. Um, I love the idea of keeping it small. I think that as play groups get bigger, you start to kind of lose. I don't want to say lose control, but you, you start to kind of lose the ability to keep it. Um, to really like to strike that balance between being very attentive but also hands off. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? The more people you add to the mix, the harder, sometimes like the personalities are different or yeah. the, um, and it's not even about parenting styles. I mean, you can have wildly differently different parenting style from someone else and still cohabitate well in a play group. Yeah. If it's just like you all like each other and respect each other. So, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And um, I've been in some nightmarish play groups, I have to say, where it was either too, hate, like too much scripted play right. or like it was just, a, a just absolute chaos because nobody was paying attention to the kids at all. So for me, it like really has to strike that balance in between. And then I think that you kind of, those things like biting and hitting and they will happen. I think as long as they're dealt with quickly and without anyone feeling bad, that's like a, the yeah. biggest thing for me, I guess. Like you don't ever want to feel bad because your toddler is a toddler. Right. And yeah. <laughs> and you don't want to feel bad because maybe you helped to direct someone else's kid and they took it. They took offense at it. Or I, I think
0: what, What it helps to remember is like no first time mom of a two year old knows what the heck to do when there's a playground altercation. Sometimes we feel like everyone else has read all the parenting books and has their discipline style, like, you know, signed, sealed, and delivered. And you're the only one who really doesn't know how to handle it when your kid pushes or is pushed or is super shy or doesn't want to go. Like, nobody knows how to handle that. And you're all in the same boat. And I think if you can find a play group where that's sort of acknowledged and you know, just like, like you said, Megan, like, I don't think anyone wants their kid to be harshly corrected by another mom, but yet no one wants to see moms just sit idly by and anywhere in the middle, if it's handled with kind of grace and humility, I think is just fine. Um, I I'm not a big fan of forcing two-year-olds to apologize to each other. That's one, that's one thing that always kind of like, made me feel uncomfortable and some moms mm. feel really strongly about that but I always like just was so cringy when someone would like march their toddler over to my kid and demand <laughs> that they apologize right. like two-year-olds don't feel sorry they don't even remember what they did so I guess if I have a specific thing that's not my I'm not a big fan of that I think yeah you know modeling kind behavior knowing when your kid needs a break from the play group I mean kids act out when they're overwhelmed two-year-olds do not know how to be social that's why a playgroup is great but you cannot expect them to act like older than two-year-olds at a playgroup right. and so if it's time to go home and take a break or go home and take a nap or find something else to do it's not that you failed playgroup it's that your kid that day was not up for socializing and that's totally normal well let me let me
1: circle back though Sarah um you know the thing about like Another parent marching their two year old over and demanding they say sorry, which often is just them not knowing what to do. Yeah, I think totally. Um, and that's <laughs> going to happen. Like stuff is going to happen that you don't agree with no matter what. Oh, yeah. Even if everyone you're with is, is fantastic. So like what was your personal approach? Would you say, oh, that's OK. Like, I don't expect an apology or we do things differently. Or did you just no, kinda, like let it roll? I off would just passion? be like, oh,
0: thank you. Um, yeah, exactly. If, if it was my kid, I tended to do the apology myself because I feel genuinely sorry that my kid punched you in the face. And so right. I can model a sincere apology, but I never make my kids apologize. So, no, I, I wouldn't make a big deal of it. I would just say, oh, thank you. If, if it went on and on, I might say, right. like, you know, it's it's OK. We don't we really don't need an apology. This happens, you know. Yeah. So yep. yeah. I think um I was going to say something else about finding moms. So, oh, a couple other I'm circling back now to the beginning of the, quest- the question, but if you have like a good connection with one mom, um, that can be an easy in into something that's already going on. I know like it's hard to show up at some big organized group and feel like you're the only one who doesn't know anyone um, but it might be a way to meet one person and that happened to me before and maybe like so um stroller strides is an example. it's now called Fit for Mom and it's like stroller fitness and they have them in cities all over and I always hear amazing things about both the workouts and then also the community. It's a really great organization, their franchise owned. I never, I never really wanted the workout. And I went like twice. <laughs> I didn't. Um, I went like twice and I met one friend and then that friend led me to something else that was actually a better fit for what I really wanted. Um, so it never hurts to try to go to those like larger, more organized things, whether it's a class like a music class or a stroller stride or, you know, something. And, and it may not be the the thing where you find your tribe, and we actually talked about mom tribes recently, but it might be the in. So right, uh, yeah. agreed, agreed. Yep. Um. All right. Well, I feel like Madison. Hopefully that helped. I think um, if, if there's one final thought, I think it's really great that Madison sees the benefit both for her two year old and for herself of trying to have a play group. And I think yeah. if you keep an open mind and not you know not hold on to some ideal of what a play group's supposed to look like, right. but just like we talked about in our mom tribes episode, like. Those needs will be filled in different ways and it might be kind of cobbled together. It might not look perfect, but I love that she's trying. I do too. That's great. Awesome. Okay. So next question comes from our friend and fellow podcaster, Sarah Bagley. So I will play it now.
2: Hi, Megan and Sarah. It's Sarah Bagley, fellow podcaster and friend. And I wanted to send you a message because I love your episode on the five habits I guess there was 10, actually, of happy moms. So the one I, that really resonated with me was accepting, loving, you know, the children you have, not the children you wish you had or the child you were. Here's my question. Now that I have kids in school, I am finding that that's a struggle because the school system wants them to be one way, but your child is another. So sometimes this is okay if you have a teacher who really gets your kid and it's not good when you have a teacher who doesn't get your kid. So how do you deal with that tension?
1: Well, thank you, Sarah. Great question and something I know that I've dealt with um, to varying degrees. Sarah, I'm not sure if you have or not, but um, I would say I've had, you know, I have five kids and they have very wildly differing personalities. And at some point, there's always going to be a time when, your kid's personality just isn't a great fit for the teacher's personality. I mean, I think that's almost inevitable and some teachers are better than others at not making it obvious, I right. guess, to be very diplomatic. Um, so that's been a thing. This been a, a, a source of tension with a few of my kids, but it only really got really bad once. And I think it was more that the teacher wasn't really proactive or just didn't know what to do about it. It wasn't mm-hmm. really the personality difference because everybody, I mean, I have some of my kids I have tension with like, sure. But it was more that like we had many meetings and she just didn't seem to get it. I think that was the biggest problem. Yeah, that and, is
0: really frustrating. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and and that's been really, really rare for me. So when it got, gets to that point, I think, you know, if like kind of do your due diligence, make sure you go in for your conference, make sure you are get really clear about what the problem is. Mm-hmm. And the problem isn't uh, the homework log didn't get filled out. The problem is not the test score is not good. There's something, you know what I mean? Like what actually is the root of the problem so that you're talking about the right things. And in my case, it was that, um, Clara has significant anxiety, which this teacher was triggering like all the time. Yeah. So like that was a real problem, but it was something I could very specifically point to. And so we ended up having, um, meetings with the teacher and the school social worker. And I think at some point we just kind of realized like, It was pretty late in the year to make a change that wasn't necessarily going to make anything better. But I but the social worker and I were on the same page that like this had this situation had to be salvaged in a way. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of stepped in and made that happen without us actually having to like take Claire out of that classroom, which I don't know if I would do it that way again, looking back. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's how we chose to handle it. And it's so touchy because you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Yeah. You know, and you don't want to be that parent.
0: Yeah. And you don't want to disrupt your kid's year any more than it already has especially right. if things aren't going well it, it feels risky to then make another change
1: yeah. yeah 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 but but I was able to get some intervention in a different way and kind of like circumvented the teacher figuring it out right um which was frustrating but in the end you know the the year ended well Clara got the teacher she wanted the following year you know like they, yeah they kind of didn't make good on yeah. it like the school did. so no
0: that's that's awesome so okay so I love that Sarah brought like um put this question in the context of our our episode about the Habits of Happy Moms, which you guys should totally mm. go listen to if you missed it. It was a really good two-part series. Um, But I guess the way I heard it is, you know, Sarah has really come to embrace her child as who she is, not the kid that she hoped she'd be. And then it's disappointing when a teacher doesn't sort of also see your kid for who they are yeah. or accept them for who they are. And I guess I would make the argument that It doesn't matter as much. You matter so much more than that teacher to your kid. I mean, the parent-child relationship, I think, in this case, trumps that teacher relationship so much. Like, if your kid feels loved and accepted at home, feels like they can be who they are, feels like you are advocating them and advocating for them and rooting for them and seeing the best parts of them, teacher relationships are going to come and go. And not every teacher is going to click with your kid. So. I guess I would say to Sarah it's okay if the school system doesn't have that sort of unconditional love for your child that you do because <laughs> I I don't think it matters as much. Is yeah. that I don't that's not I don't mean that in a dismissive way at all. Hopefully it's sort of like a relief. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, no, I
1: totally agree and and you know, that like I said was the most extreme case I've ever had right. of that happening. I guarantee you of the many many teachers that my kids have had many of them have not gotten my kid. Right. And I totally agree. Like for most of my kids, I didn't even notice It's like right. a blip. Like right. they go to school. The teacher's nice to them. Relatively nice to them. You know, right? they hang with their friends. They do their work. They eat later lunch. They come home. And then they have all this time with you and all this background and foundation with you right. in your house. Yeah. No, I totally agree there. Like it doesn't matter it, if it gets to the point where it matters. I think it becomes kind of obvious. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And up to that point kind of like uh eh, it's all right it's gonna be all right maybe next year they'll get that that teacher that draws them out and like do you even think your teachers got you when
0: you were a kid um late, I can remember some in junior high and high school who I think mm-hmm. did but I know well, the ones
1: for me who did stand out so much in my mind right it makes me think there were probably a lot who were just like okay
0: yeah and I, in crowd. I think another thing to think about last week we talked about kind of how we define academic success, which is maybe a little different than some people. But I I know Sarah's kids are kind of at the beginning of their elementary school. I think her oldest is first grade, maybe um, first or second. And so it it is sort of shocking when you enter the school system and you realize that the kid that you see as really multifaceted and talented in their own way may not be traditionally academically successful or traditionally successful in the system. And I think hopefully that takes just a little while to like figure out how you feel about that. But I would just encourage anybody to you. It's still your kid that you think is amazing. That doesn't change the school system. Most school systems are limited. We know that like they're limited by anything from budget to, you know, like dated thinking to any number of things. I don't think there's any perfect school system out there. It doesn't mean you give up and homeschool if you don't want to, but maybe you want to and maybe you do. The point here is, and I think I do have a point, it doesn't change the fact that your kid is still the awesome kid. You see them in that and and the school is probably never going to totally see and support that. But I think that's okay.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree. And and I think, you know. The school has certain parameters they have to work with. Exactly. (laughs) And your kid may not fit those parameters that often I think often frustrations or just lack of connection or lack of seeing what you see in your kid on the part of a teacher administrator or whatever is more that it's like crowd control. Like they have to make all those kids fit a mold or a model so that at the end, most of them come out with the knowledge they need. It really has nothing to do with your individual kid. So that's like a really healthy approach, I think, to try to help your kid be successful within that system while also not giving it more weight. Then it needs to carry.
0: Exactly. And, and I think for a lot of us, it, we worry about judgment on our own parenting, right? Like yeah. oh, if our yeah. kid works perfectly in the system, it makes us look really good. If they don't, then it, it starts to be sort of a vanity issue or an ego yes. issue for us. And that is not easy. I'm not saying you just throw that off, but it's doing the hard work to remember that that's not a reflection of you. And most teachers I know really don't judge parents. Like for for either for their kid or for for forgetting to always turn in the field trip for them like you have to be a pretty like bad at school parenting (laughs) for the teacher to like be like oh you know that megan francis she's really not on the ball like they they have so much to worry about they're not they're not individually judging you and your family if your kid isn't the perfect kid for their class
1: one thing i will say and this is just more of a I don't even want to say word of warning because that makes it sound too ominous, but just something to consider. And we talked about this a little bit in our episode that we recently did about other adults in your kids' lives. Yeah, Sometimes they see things that you don't see. And I think the one thing I would change if I could go back, because I definitely had at least one kid in particular who I felt was seen in a completely different way Mm -hmm. than by the school than I saw him. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of it was because they didn't get him. And some of it was because I didn't get them. Like, I didn't understand what they were trying to do. Okay. Um, And in some ways, I feel like I could have set him up for success better Okay, early on. Like, I just, there, was, there were things about him not fitting the mold that maybe I could have helped him fit the mold a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And and maybe that would have, I um, mean, he'd still be the same person today, but maybe we could have just avoided some frustration. Is yeah. all I'm saying? So it's like yeah. a. Yeah, it's like being proactive, but not giving it too much weight is yes. the only, yeah, the yeah, only no. advice. And maybe they do see something that you don't. Maybe they're seeing something in an executive functioning way or like something that you're just not seeing because you're every day, day to day with your child, but not trying to teach them a specific curriculum. Um, so it's worth it's worth noting. Yeah. But then letting it go if it doesn't fit what you see or what yeah. you
0: believe. Yeah. Agreed.
1: The steel's not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash mom hour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy
0: adults. Okay. So we are going to take one more listener question and then at the end of the show, we're going to play something else that's fun. Will you tell everybody about that now so I don't forget at the end of the
1: yes, show? Yes, 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 yes. Okay. So, you know, um, I don't know, maybe not everyone does know, but I'm a co-host of a radio radio morning show. And every now and then I'll have one of my kids come on and on Clara's birthday, she came on the show and we did an episode about imaginary friends and Clara's um, take on imaginary friends was so funny and so cute was, that we just decided we had to like include it. Yeah, in this. absolutely. So <laughs> you'll so hear funny. it at
0: the end of this show. And like you said, Megan, it's a segment from give your station a shout Oh yeah. Out okay. Now. So
1: Johnny and Megan mornings at 98.3, the coast um, here in Southwest Michigan. And so yeah, it was really fun. So Johnny starts the segment, starts asking me about my imaginary friends. I talked about the imaginary friends that I remembered having. And then it turns to Clara and she's just, she's sharp, man. Like I think she's got a future and, Podcasting or radio, maybe. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's it's <laughs> awesome. It was so cute, and it I was such it. a
1: different perspective on like the whole having an imaginary friend thing than I would even have thought of. So,
0: well, I've told you this offline, but my mom has had like a lifelong fascination with kids and imaginary friends, and so yeah. I sort of by osmosis do too. And so I, it is, it is truly like if you read up on it and stuff, it's amazing. It is like this whole, it's a whole thing. It's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then to hear kids talk about it, so matter of fact, because it it really is it's something that you know how everyone has the same stress dreams like there's right uh, there's some universal lines there's some universal things about imaginary friends that are otherworldly because why do all kids experience them the same way it's crazy Um, right I know
1: yeah Yeah. so okay so I don't remember having a registry for mine but
0: (laughs) (laughs) so you guys have to listen through we're going to do one more listener question now and then I wanted to kind of tease that because that's super fun and it'll just play at the end of the show um so our next our next and last question for this episode comes from Karen, and we will play it now.
3: Hi, Mom Hour. This is Karen Moldenhauer. I'm a mom to a wonderful, sweet, cute little one-year-old named Oliver. Uh, he just turned one on March 10th. And um, I wanted to call in and just ask if you guys had any sage wisdom for you know coping with um, dealing with you know kind of not being able to accomplish as much as you did before you were a mom um you know maybe i think i'm still adjusting to being uh, in in this position my husband and i are both uh full-time workers we both work full-time outside the home and we're just finding it hard to get anything like the basics of housework um and cleaning or organizing or any sort of projects any anything um, done right now? Um, I'm actually just running on a Starbucks run to get a uh, chai latte, just just to get out of the house and um, not start to go crazy about all the projects that and and stuff we have just kind of sitting around in disarray. So, if you guys have any good advice um, for someone who's trying to um, cope with. Being a mom, you know, if we if there's suggestions for multitasking or maybe even how to adjust expectations now that I'm in this position, that would be really great. Uh, thanks, to you both, um, Sarah and Megan. You do a great job on the Mom Hour.
1: So, Karen, um, none of us can keep up. <laughs> like, hey, I don't man. think any of us are really keeping up. Do you feel like you're keeping up, Sarah? No, no. Of I'm really not.
0: real behind right now.
1: Um, so I guess I'll I'll just throw out a few things. Like, yeah. This is one of those things where like I could give you so many platitudes and it maybe wouldn't be helpful, but maybe it would. So, you know, things like uh, there's always going to be more to do. You'll never catch up. Like if right. you go to bed at night and you've worked all day long and it your house looks clean and you're on top of your deadlines and everything else and you go to bed, when you wake up in the morning, there will be more stuff to do. So yes. I think that's one. It's like a surrendering thing, like yeah. just knowing that that's the case, that you're, you're really never going to. And maybe you weren't ahead before either, but it just felt more manageable. Like yeah. maybe you've always been on the edge or just a little bit like catching up. But now that you've got this other awesome responsibility, it just all feels so much more fraught. And so I just want to throw that out there um, to begin with. Um, I found that doing what I could do when I could do it and taking care of things that were in front of my face when I was able to. And then allowing things to pile up if I had to, like kind of striking that balance was always really helpful Mm -hmm. when I was in a super overwhelmed phase. And by the way, that still happens now. My kids are old, but I've been really busy for like the last three weeks and I am looking, I'm in my bedroom and it is a pigsty. But I I have enough experience. I know it's going to be clean again. Like I can see in my mind's eye what it's going to look like when it's clean. I know I'll get there, but it's not going to be today. Yep. It might not even be this week.
0: Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. I have a couple specific things, too. One, um, Karen and her husband are both working full time outside the home. Mm-hmm. I think the first year of any kind of a I, she didn't say if they have a nanny or daycare, but I think either way. But in, in particular, if you are going out of the house for childcare, the first year with the bottles and the diapers yes. and the prepping, I do think that gets easier. And that is a huge like I just remember coming home with dirty bottles at the end of a work day and a daycare day and yes. a dirty kid. It's demoralizing. It's, like, it's 545, 6 o'clock. Yep. And like, you got to get everything ready to go. So I do think that gets easier. I think as kid, kids get into toddler preschool, child care, there's a bunch that gets a lot easier about child care. First of all, the kids have more fun. It feels like school, which maybe reduces a little bit of the mom guilt. If you're struggling with that, your kid gets to go somewhere fun and there's fewer diapers and bottles to send. So that I feel like if you've made it through the first year, that load gets easier. The other thing I was going to say about full time, both of you working full time outside the home is now's a really good time to have some very frank and open conversations with your spouse about how everyone's feeling about the Mm. workload. And I don't have Mm -hmm. any, I don't know anything about how the two of you handle dividing work. I just know that culturally, historically, and statistically, women tend to take on more even when they job hours are equal. I'll just leave it at that. Um, And even with the most supportive, progressive husbands, there can be some misconceptions about who's doing what or how everyone's feeling about it. It's not even so much who's doing how like like how many hours of housework you're each doing. Sometimes it's the mental part of it of like what's keeping you up at night versus what might be able to be offloaded to your spouse and take care. I've yeah. really offloaded some things to Brian in the last six months since I have been working more um, that I'm like, I, this needs to be your territory now. And it might be yeah. a simple ho- house chore, but it might be more of like a administrative logistical thing in my head that I'm like, yep. I really need this to be in your head and not mine. And I've, I've just said that. So that this is a good time, I think, when early enough in your co-parenting to get on the same page with those things.
1: Agreed. And I, I think too, you know, and again, this is such a generalization, but moms, I think, tend to notice things that dads sometimes don't. Yes. <laughs> and so we notice things that aren't getting done Yes, often yes. more than anybody else in the family. So it bothers yes. us, but it's not bothering anyone else until we Point it out and make it their problem too. I know that's like one of those things. It's like a generalization. It's not always true, but in my experience, it's been true enough that it's worth looking at. Well,
0: it's the movie that I always quote, right? Which is the breakup yeah. with Jennifer Aniston. And yeah, fun when she says, "I want you to want to do the dishes." Like he's like, "Why would I? Why would I want to do the dishes?" Like right? but why that, would I want to do the dishes? It, <laughs> it is that. It is yes. that that moment. Um, I I was just nodding to everything you say because I I really am that person who notices and is really critical of a lot of things I see around my house but I don't necessarily do anything about them and that is not healthy and that's on me like I can either do something about them decide to not worry about them or delegate like there's Mm -hmm. things I can do and noticing and feeling beating myself up over things is really not healthy and that takes its toll over time another thing I would suggest too is when it comes to housework and things that aren't getting done and you and I have both been advocates for like just do less and feel good about it. Like just decide, decide that something no longer needs to be a thing that you do, whether it's folding pajamas or vacuuming every other day. Now you go to vacuuming every other week because no one's home during the day anyway, whatever it is. Um, But I would start with the things that make you feel most settled in your home space, because I know we all have things that we can let go and it doesn't bother us. And then we have other things that really bother us. So start with what, will improve your mental state and maybe commit to doing those things and then see what else you can let go.
1: I totally agree. And and one last, I guess, piece of advice that goes along mm-hmm. with this conversation, taking a really um, looking around and taking stock, I guess, personally, and then with your spouse. Once you've done that, you may find that there are things that not only do neither one of you have time to do, but neither one of you want to make time for. And in that case, if you've got maybe some budget to think about getting help Um, if that's a possibility, because that's something where I feel like the, the benefit is so much bigger than just getting back three hours of your life or whatever that it's, it's beyond that it's a relationship. um, It's a relationship thing. It just takes mental load off how good it feels to come home to a clean house. Yeah. Like those things really are, are big. So if that's something that you can, uh, if that's something you can swing, I think it's worth it, especially in these really intensive times. Like I've had cleaning services off and on, and they've typically been around really intense times. And then and then I've let it go when I don't need it as much or when it doesn't fit in the budget. It's not like you're, you know, you're not like committing to it for the rest of your life, but it might help you kind of get back where you feel like you're a little bit ahead.
0: And I think you kind of said this at the beginning, but I want to return to it, which is I, I sense in Karen's question a little bit of like, when will this go back to normal or back to the way it was (laughs) before I had a baby? And the answer is it won't like, but I think that's okay. Right. Like I don't, I don't think any of us probably, I mean, we, we, we want to be the moms that we are and we want Mm -hmm. to have the crazy busy houses that we have. And that's not to say you don't strive for systems that help you feel good about managing your life. But at the same time, I, I don't think it's really super realistic to imagine a world where you'll sleep in on Saturday mornings and have the chores done by noon. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, no, it's and you're in a
1: new world. Yeah, you are. And what happens is you just get better at yes. it. You get yes. better at coping and you yes. get better at not caring. Yes. You don't get better at running the house or running your life, really. I mean, there are efficiencies that get built in. And, you know, Karen asked about, um, like multitasking tips. And I really racked my brain thinking, how would I advise someone on how to multitask? And the answer is just do it enough. And it becomes second nature. And I know that's kind of like, that's not really helpful, (laughs) but you know, those are the kinds of things like you might have a different style. You might be someone who can say, listen to a podcast while you're loading the dishwasher and get something out of the podcast. Or you might be somebody who really needs to focus when, when they're doing that. Like it's really personality based. And I think you just it's like a language that you're learning by doing. And right now you're kind of in the thick of like the new and learning phase and it will become more like second nature. You will get better at juggling things, but you'll also get better at just letting stuff go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and it does, it does get so much easier as kids get older. It really, really does. Absolutely, it's so
1: hard. Well, and what you're doing right now is basically going through like basic training, like intensive, hard and, the effort that you're putting in now will set you up later when things do slow down to not only just feel like they're slowing down, but like to feel like it's almost like a break sometimes, you know? So yeah, it's, there are, there are many bright, bright futures ahead. Yes. That was, (laughs) that was a um, classic.
0: As we, as we often wrap up our listener questions, uh, hang in there. It gets better. Go easy on yourself. (laughs) Yep. Kind of. Yep.
1: We say it every time, but
0: it's true. Um, Okay, well, these are really fun. Thank you, ladies, for those great questions. Madison and Sarah and Karen. And for those of you who want to send in a question, please do. We're hello at com. We love when we get to hear your voices, but if you'd rather email, just type it out. That works, too. Um, And, yeah, everybody stick with us to listen to Megan and Johnny and Clara talk about imaginary friends. And we will be back with you next Tuesday.
4: Megan, when you were a kid, did you have an imaginary friend?
1: I had many imaginary friends. I threw entire imaginary friend parties. I would have all of my imaginary friends line up at the door and then ring the doorbell and make my mom answer the door for my imaginary friends. She got sick of that pretty darn quick. <laughs>
4: That's pretty funny. See, I, I will say this. I mean, um, I wasn't sure uh, before I asked you this. I wasn't sure if you had imaginary friends or not because I don't remember having imaginary friends, uh, cause I hung out with my brothers and you, oh. I know you have a lot of siblings. Um, I just hung out with my brothers and those were the, most of my activities involved doing stuff with them. And so I didn't, my, I guess I didn't create imaginary friends. Well, at
1: one point my imaginary friends helped me plot to, um, I don't know, Go get rid yourselves. of my older brother when <laughs> he was not being nice to me. So they can be useful for that as well. But we've also got Clara, my daughter here and, uh. Clara, I remember when you had
5: imaginary friends. Do you remember them? Yeah.
4: Do you still have imaginary friends?
5: No. How no? long ago did you did you lose the imaginary friends? Uh, it got to the certain point when I was just like, "You know what? They're all going to move out." <laughs> They're all going to move out? So they so went somewhere? Yeah.
4: Did you have an imaginary friend break up? Did you like write them a letter and say Did you tell not, them they had to go? It's no, not they you. Just,
5: they just moved out. Oh, so they, they live somewhere out. else now? <laughs> yeah. Do you have any idea where they went? No, not how, really. Do you remember how many you had at any given point? I don't have any idea. I just remember I had one named like Queen Isabel or something like that. And okay. then I had one named Seahorse. Seahorse. <laughs> and was Seahorse a human or a, a seahorse? It was a seahorse.
4: Was it a half human, half seahorse or just straight up seahorse?
5: It was a seahorse. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Claire, you were always more into animals. <laughs> yeah. I remember the game that you used to always want to play with me was um, pretend that I'm uh, an anim- like an animal rescue. Remember the animal shelter? I remember that. You would be like working on your bed. Yeah. And then you'd say, I'm pretend I'm a puppy, but I need I need you to come
1: adopt me. And then I'd have to pick <laughs> which puppy I wanted, and I'd always have to pretend like I saw other puppies. <laughs> and then I'd pick Clara. And then she would be so you were always animal focused.
4: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Now your birthday was just the other day. Now did you did you get any presents from your old imaginary friends? Did they like send you a letter and say, Hey, Uh, I know we broke up, but I still, still thought, you know, I'd celebrate your birthday.
5: I kind of wish that I did, but no, (laughs) (laughs) they haven't been in touch. No,
1: maybe,
4: maybe they're lost in the imaginary post office.
5: Well, they probably Uh, found themselves a new imaginary.
1: They probably found themselves a new girl to hang out with. So you can feel good about that. Your imaginary friends all went and found somebody else, I think.
4: Or, or they're living on their imaginary friends, friends, couch.
1: Yeah, or they're living in an imaginary cardboard box. Well, oh, it's yeah. just got really dark. It could
4: be. Well, well, we'd love to know. Give <laughs> us a call, 934-9830. We'd love to know if you or your kids uh, have ever had imaginary friends. We'd love to hear from you.
3: 98.3
1: The Coast. So I'm here today with my daughter Clara, who's nine, and we're talking about imaginary friends. Johnny had none. I find that very sad, I, I,
4: uh I don't, I will say this. I would have to ask my mom, she might, remember. she might remember, but from what I remember from like age four on, I don't think that I had imaginary friends. I okay. may be wrong, but I don't think I did. So Clara,
1: I have some questions, some, some more specific questions about you.
5: Cause you told okay. us that you had one named Queen Isabel. You didn't tell me what she was. Was she an animal
4: or
1: no. she, a human? She, she was a human
5: she and, was, and then a seahorse? No, she was like a mutant. A mutant. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, you had interesting <laughs> imaginary friends. So They're did you have,
1: aliens. Were, were any of your, was any of them your best friend? your best imaginary friend
5: uh i seahorse was the only one with the name and also queen isabel so okay so the uh, rest of them is just like a bunch just random collection yeah, of they were just like extras they were yeah.
4: extras. Oh, <laughs> extras. so they were like the person that's uh, never in this in never has a speaking part but they're always there in, this, in the movie
5: of clara's life they were the
4: extras if yeah. i
5: if i like lost one i they would have to like register and i would name them Oh, you, oh wow! Really,
4: wow, you really had a system. <laughs> you sounds- had an imaginary friend registration. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, why not? It's, do they have social security <laughs>
5: numbers too? Do they pay taxes? I didn't. I don't. I didn't know what that was at this time. <laughs> <laughs> this
4: time. Well, they so, have back taxes now. So
5: this is. It sounds kind of recent. Like you have a really good memory of this. Was this long? How How old do you think you were when they all moved out? I I don't know. Like I, maybe six. <laughs> I think I was about five or six. When yeah. they all moved out. So mm-hmm. prime time for you and your imaginary friend posse, which sounds like it was like a
1: posse.
4: Right. It yeah. was like
1: five, six years old, maybe. It was like your yeah.
4: entourage. Yeah. Wow.
5: So let me ask you this, and this is probably maybe I'm not sure if you'll remember. Do you remember why you had imaginary friends? Um, well, I think Ruby brought it up for me and then
1: okay. So Ruby your cousin. Yeah. Yeah.
5: And then I was just like, Oh, that seems cool. So and then so then you did. Yeah. Yeah. And they just moved in. They just moved in. I love that you talk about them moving in and then moving out. Like <laughs> like there was a day... And that- being
4: registered and all that. This is a pretty <laughs> intricate thing.
5: They went in and they're like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then they were like, yeah, I'm leaving. Oh Well, wow. maybe they sensed that you were getting older and you were becoming boring to them or something.
4: Yeah. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. Do you still stay in contact with them? Because now you guys are making this sound so cool that now, even though I'm 30... I think it's time I have imaginary friends of my own.
5: Is it too late for Johnny? Well, uh, do you want any imaginary friend? I don't
4: know. I mean, I got a lot of free, I don't really you have a lot free of free time, time. on yeah. my on my hands, but I mean, if, you know, I'm just hanging out at work even, I wouldn't mind having an imaginary friend in here because your mom leaves by the yeah. time the show's over.
5: Yeah. He doesn't have anyone to hang mm-hmm. out with. So. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Maybe. It is yeah, sad. Just, I have a very sad life. an imaginary friend. They'll, they'll, just <laughs> they'll just move in. If you want one, they'll just come. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that's how it worked. I that's, forgot.
4: I didn't know that. So wow. <laughs> I I'm I'm excited. I might have an imaginary friend. So but you uh,
5: have to register them. So.
4: Oh, do I have to register them through you or the imaginary friend registration?
5: If you want an imaginary friend, you have to go through me,
4: okay. yeah. Okay. All right. Well, once once I get one, I'll, so I'll be sure tough. to uh, put in the paperwork. Um, <laughs> give us a call, 934-9830. Do you ever have an imaginary friend? Uh, Megan, by the way, did you still have yours?
1: I have not seen mine in a while. I guess mm. they moved out.
4: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Are they registered? I did not. I didn't <laughs> know that was a thing.
1: They're illegal. Well, you, you better get with your
4: daughter <laughs> on this. 98.3 The Coast.
0: Keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data.
1: Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code themomhour. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E R I K A dot A P P, and use code themomhour to save 20%.
0: Megan, you know what I love about our partner, the Essential Calendar? I love the product so much, of course, but I also love that it comes from a small business founded by two moms.
1: Right, just like us. Listeners, if you're drowning in details right now, like summer camps, travel plans, end of school year mayhem, give yourself the gift of the Essential Calendar, a seasonal at a glance poster sized calendar for your wall. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour.